Welcome to 1514, a podcast of the Biblical Counseling Coalition. 1514 draws its name from Romans 1514, where the Apostle Paul encourages the church that they are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, and able to counsel one another. I'm your host and the executive director of the BCC, Dr. Curtis Solomon, and I hope you enjoy today's episode. This episode is brought to you in part by The Gospel for Disordered Lives, a new book from B&H Publishing, authored by Kristen Kellen, Rob Green, and Robert Jones. Thank you for joining us for this episode of 1514. We're delighted to have you with us. Today I have with me a repeat guest, pastor and author John Krotz, and we'll be discussing his devotional in the 31-Day Devotionals for Life series, Hope, Living Confidently in God. I had a wonderful conversation with John about this book, and I'm really excited to, to have it as a resource for you all to utilize in your counseling, but also for me personally to be able to use in my own counseling ministry, because hope is such a, a prevalent thing that we want to help people. And we'll discuss different ways that you can utilize this devotional in counseling, but I was also really just encouraged and touched by John's heart as a pastor to care for people and what motivated him to write this. So thanks so much for listening. I hope that you are encouraged by the episode and that you are also really encouraged by and able to use this great new resource in your counseling ministry. Well, welcome everybody to 1514. Today I have a repeat guest uh, coming back to 1514. So John Krotz, would you mind introducing yourself to our audience, especially for those who maybe haven't heard you on our previous episode? Absolutely. Thanks so much. Uh, yeah, I'm John Krotz. I'm married to Lynn. We have four kids, three uh, daughters and a son still at home. Two of our daughters are at Boys College and our oldest uh, and her husband just gave us our first granddaughter. So Lynn and I are super excited. We've been ministering in the south side of Atlanta for 26 years at Faith Bible Church in Sharpsburg, Georgia. That's fantastic. And truth in advertising, your oldest daughter, who just who just had your first grandbaby, was an intern, one of our first interns here when I started working with the BCC. So really appreciate her as well. And uh, kind of as a segue, she was an editor. That's what she helped me with, is doing a lot of editing. And she helped you edit the, what we're here to talk about today, the new Hope devotional from the 31 Day Devotionals for Life series, Hope living confidently in God. So what led you to write this devotional? Well, uh, a pastor once talked to me about another famous TV preacher and asked if I, you know, why I thought he was so popular. And I sort of thought it was going to be a punchline coming. And he said, uh, no, it's, it's, this fella is always positive and the world is such a negative place. And I thought, wow, well, this TV preacher often leaves things out of uh, the Bible teaching. And, and it's just we have so much more solid grounds to offer people positive hope and the message of hope. And so I thought it would be a, a kind of a, a great challenge to see if I could put together something that would inspire hope from all over the Bible. No, that's that's fantastic, and it's and I think you accomplished that, which is a feat in and of itself in a short book that's less than a hundred pages. Uh, and those who aren't familiar with that thirty-one day devotionals for life series, it is a really compact format. So authors are really challenged to discern what what can I cut out, what has to be in there. Well, uh, you mentioned kind of the contrast between that TV preacher, but. It, 
and wanting to provide positivity, but it's not hope. Biblical hope is not just Pollyanna-ish thinking, hope for hope's sake, or just positive thinking. How is biblical hope different from other concepts of hope that people often have? Yeah, well, the way the world uses the term hope, it's it's just it is almost wishful thinking. I I, I wish something good would happen in the future. But it's very different when you have a foundation of God who is completely trustworthy and he has given us wonderful promises in the Bible. And because God has all power and knows all things, everything God has promised will come to pass. And so our hope is actually a confident certainty of future good because it's it's based on God and it's based on God's word. Yeah. No, that's a really helpful definition and and for most of us in biblical counseling we're familiar with that and if you're not introduction to hope there you go. Uh but we we talk about it so much sometimes we can forget that. And you you point out the fact too that it's not uh, obviously the certainty, which is different than just wishful thinking, but it's also because of the resources that we're drawing on for that hope. And that was something that you drew out quite a bit in the devotional as well. Talk about that idea a little bit. Well, I think because just almost as part of the challenge, I wanted to try to capture as many different places in the Bible, types of literature in the Bible where we could draw hope from. So obviously the character of Christ, his person, his work, but throughout the Psalms, in fact, one of the devotional days, I just took a Psalm and just turned it into a modern prayer, you know, where we could grab on to the psalmist heart. And, and as he was seeking hope in God, we could do the same. Uh, There's stories from the Old Testament. There's promises all over the scripture, all these different ways we can we can find hope in the scriptures. Yeah, absolutely. You've mentioned a little bit already kind of intro to it, but you broke the book down into five different sections uh, throughout the devotional. Can you tell our audience what those sections are and why why you divided it that way? Yeah, so there's there's a little bit of of order to it. The the first couple of devotionals are introductory and um, kind of contrasting faith and hope. It's, it's really the same sort of dynamic, isn't it? Faith believes God's promises and God's word toward the toward the past, what God has said, what God has done, and hope believes God's promises and his character toward the future. Then we get into specific uh, elements of the life of Christ and stories about Christ, um, things that the the Bible teaches specifically about Jesus that inspires hope. And then the character of God the Father, basically other stories from other places in Scripture. And then we move toward some issues. Uh, You can face life's difficulties with hope. So we, we kind of think of some, some areas where hope might be needed and what God's word would say about those. And then we kind of look to the future. We end where the Bible ends at the return of Christ and the new heavens and the new earth. 
I think Jay Adams one time when he was contrasting uh, kind of worldly hope versus biblical hope, he said, when we think of the return of Christ, it's not the blessed hope. So uh, we, we have confidence. We know Christ is coming. That's why the Bible calls the return of Christ, the blessed hope. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's a wonderful truth that we need to make sure that we hang on to as counselors. So I think for us to go through this devotional as well would be beneficial, not just giving it to those we counsel, but in the counseling process, it's so important that we are giving people this confidence in Christ that that whatever comes about in their circumstance or their life, if they know Christ, the end is certain. And that's really helpful. Why is hope such a big, important topic for counseling? Well, someone has said that the only people who need hope are people with problems. Of course, that's extremely relevant in counseling. But, you know, uh, an illustration I, I love, and it's actually in the book as well, is if you take a penny and, and you put it up to your eye, it's, it's all you can see. But if you put the penny back on the table, everything kind of goes back into perspective and you realize it's just a penny. Often when people come to us for counsel, their problem is so in their face. It's, it's all they can see. And it's very difficult for us to keep them motivated to do the things that they need to to see biblical change in their life. And so hope is, is an urgent priority. We've got we've to help them get things into proper perspective. And so motivation is, is huge. It's often true that they didn't create their problematic situation in a day or a week or a month. Obviously, these things have built up over time. And so it seems like an avalanche in front of them. And so hope is going to motivate them to do the things that that we're we're giving them from scripture that's that's going to bear the harvest of change, but it's going to take a while. And so hope not only motivates, it also maintains that motivation. It keeps us going. It's sort of like uh, fuel, you know, in the car. If you run out of fuel, you might keep going for a little while, especially if you're going downhill. But you need fresh fuel to keep that car going the right direction. And hope is like like fuel as we go through life's problems. Yeah, no, that's really good word. Because if you think about the opposite of hope or the person who is hopeless, uh, and we've all seen that person walk into our sessions where they're just down and they have no desire, they may not even want to be there. Um, and the motivation to move forward in life in the midst of the circumstances is, is gone. And that's, that's a fantastic reminder that hope is part of that motivation, part of the energy that gets behind them. And obviously hope that is grounded in the confidence of God, his word, his promises. Um, you, you talked about this, you brought up the last section already and a little bit of the end times, uh, biblical hope of when we look to the future. Sometimes I think we can maybe uh, misuse that or, or just misunderstand that and think we're just telling people, well, it'll all work out in the end, which in one case is true. Uh, but how do we keep it from being this Pollyannish, like tomorrow, tomorrow, uh, you know, I'll love you tomorrow kind of thing. Uh, in the midst of deep suffering and extreme hurt, 
how do we how do we balance that? How do we correctly communicate that to people? Well, I think you're right that sometimes thinking about the future really is the basis of hope for us. We do know that it is going to work out in the end. So if hope is God's giving us this confident expectation of future good, sometimes that timeline does extend past our lives into into heaven. Sometimes we don't see uh, the healing that we would wish for here on earth, or we don't see that financial struggle completely solved. We don't see our friend come back to life again. You know, that's, that's one of the places where the Bible tells us to, to hope we, when we have a Christian friend who passes away, we grieve, uh, that's a very appropriate, but first Thessalonians four says that we don't grieve like the world grieves. We grieve with hope because we know Jesus is going to come back and the dead in Christ will rise first and we will be with them and changed and we'll be with the Lord forever. And so there's a great comfort in that kind of hope, but even to know that Christ is coming and God is going to sort it all out gives us a confidence as well that that God is not just working for the future, uh, the ultimate future. He is working in our lives now. And that same God who's got this plan to right all of the wrongs is at work powerfully now in our lives. And I think that we know that ultimately all things are working together for good. And sometimes we don't see how that's happening. We don't see on this side of, of, of God's providential curtain, you know, what God is up to. But we can know that, yes, God is always working and he's always working toward that ultimate goal of the return of Christ and the new heavens and the new earth. So, it's not a bad thing for us to point people to the future as sort of the ultimate hope. But when we know that God's got this glorious hope filled future, we can know even in this life, God is going to be working in us as he's aiming everything toward that future uh, redemption of all things. Yeah. And I think it's helpful to think about the fact that we want our hope to rest in God, but also his promises and his purposes. Because I think sometimes we can, we, we lose hope or we're still hoping while we might have a Christian-ish hope in the sense that I'm praying, I'm praying, I'm praying, I'm praying, I'm asking God for something. We're asking him maybe for something that isn't his purpose. Uh, and we're actually resting our hope. It is a wishful thinking because it's not grounded in that certainty, that promise of, but there's so many promises that we do have that are certain, and that's where we need to be putting our our true, genuine, ultimate hope. So, no, that's... Right. We can only only have that absolute certainty in what God has promised to us. So God is not promised to take all your trials away. But he has promised to be with you in your trials. He has promised 
that Christ knows all about them. He's been tempted in every way like you, yet without sin. He's promised not to put more on you than you're able to handle. He's promised to make a way of endurance. And so these are things we can have certainty about. We can't have certainty about the specifics. When I was um, one of the devotions that I wrote, I sort of uh, sent around to our church congregation and, and a lady in our church, just a super sweet lady. She's she has suffered so much physically and it's ongoing. It's chronic. She barely is even able to make it to our our church services. And I sent around the story of Jesus healing the woman with the issue of bleeding and the hope I was wanting to inspire from that to just Christ can do it. He can heal on the spot when no one else has been able to heal this woman for 12 years. She's been ceremonially unclean and sort of an outcast. And here she touches the edge of Christ's garments and she's healed on the spot. And this lady reminded me uh, uh, very appropriately, well, but that's not the guarantee so even though Christ could do it, and even though there's hope in the Lord and his plan, we don't all have that guarantee that he wants to heal each of us, even if we've suffered for 12 years as well. So it's a good, good reminder. Our hope is where God's word takes us and God's promises, not uh, everything we would wish was being accomplished and then, and obviously pastorally you know and and as those of us who are counselors or in listening to this we know that's not to discourage people from praying because uh, scripture is really clear that we still bring those desires and we do have hope in the one who is the great healer the great comforter but um that certainty is that in him and his presence with us in his future complete healing um but he could he could totally change our circumstances. He could heal us. He could do those things. One of the things I've, I've tried to tell people over the years is that if we knew all that God was doing in this situation, we would have tremendous hope and confidence. In fact, we would be ashamed of ourselves for ever having doubts if we saw God's master plan going on and all of the details he was bringing together. But we don't, and we can't see those things, but we can know that God has a plan, and we can know that God is good, and he's at work in this situation, even if it seems like he's not. And so uh, that is walking by faith and not by sight. We can't see, but we believe. And hope is very much related to that as well. Yeah, absolutely. And it is one of those things that, that hope and faith are related, but they are distinct. And there is an element of where we are. We are trusting in God's goodness and his character. Uh, we have faith that those things will all work out um, and a certainty of hope that they will because of his his character and what he's like. The gospel of Jesus Christ, the heartbeat of the Bible, brings life-changing hope and power to real people with real problems. Inspired by that conviction, the gospel for disordered lives provides an introductory guide to the theory and practice of Christ-centered biblical counseling, intended to serve as foundational textbook for students in Christian colleges, 
universities, seminaries, and graduate schools, the book also provides a useful overview that working counselors can reference in their ministry context. Additionally, it can serve pastors and current counseling practitioners as a helpful refresher and a resource for common counseling problems. I love this new textbook. I'm going to use it in my training, and I hope you will too. In the, in the fourth section, um, the section titled, You Can Face Life's Difficulties with Hope, you mentioned already, you, you listed a number of different situations where um, people might be struggling, particular situations where people are struggling and hope might be challenged. Which one, share with our audience, maybe a couple of those, some that stand out to you, why and why you pick them. Sure. Obviously it can, you can go a lot of different directions because in a sense, we all are going through things and we all need hope. So (laughs) this is just a, a small selection. In fact, some of the other 31 day devotionals have complete months Uh, that are devoted to a specific issue of concern. But uh, this is more general and uh, people going through all kinds of of things. Some of the ones I put in there that I think are a little bit surprising. uh, There was a devotion about when we're struggling with sin. And, you know, when you feel like, wow, I am just so much worse than I ought to be. I've been a Christian for so long. How in the world could I still be struggling with sin? And just the thought of of the Lord's kindness to us. He knows all about it. And he loves us anyway. He is giving us grace. He's giving, he's working in our lives, even if it doesn't feel like it at the time. Sometimes it's actually helpful to know we're actually much worse than we think. And yet our standing before God is not on the basis of our performance, but it's only on the basis of his amazing grace through the work of of Christ on our behalf. And that's just encouraging. Uh, I did a devotional about the people in Israel and the triumphal entry, how they had hope. But it was more of a worldly hope that Jesus was going to come in and kick out the Romans. Uh, They hated the Roman rule in Israel at the time. And when Jesus was coming in and they were all crying out, Hosanna, Lord, save us. They wanted physical salvation. Of course, many preachers have observed that some of those very same people crying out Hosanna on Sunday would be crying out, crucify him that next Friday. Just imagine if Jesus had come and and met their hopes, you know, kicked out the Romans. Great. Now we have a happy life for the next, what, 30 or 40 years. And then if our sins are not forgiven, we die and we face God at judgment. But oh, how different the hope was that God had established in seeing Jesus not come in to kick out the Romans, but to die on the cross and be raised from the dead and provide salvation. You know, we, I think when we get to heaven, we'll meet maybe some of those very people. They were there at the triumphal entry. They were there at the cross and in God's mercy, he saved them maybe at Pentecost, maybe soon after that, as they heard the gospel and and repented and came to faith in Christ And they would say, oh, our hopes were so wrong. They were dashed, you know. Uh, 
sometimes our expectations, when our expectations are, are one place and it doesn't work out like we wished that it would, we are even deeper in despair. But then I think they would come around quickly to say the real hope was happening right in front of us and we didn't see it at the time. But as God worked, this different hope of Christ was so much better than my faulty expectations. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you mentioned before, and I've mentioned a couple times, the, the, the series, the 31 Day Devotionals for Life. And you talked about the fact that those are really targeted on particular issues. Like there's one on uh, pornography. There's one for the person who's committed adultery and how to walk after that, uh, anxiety, all these different topic focus ones. This is a little, little bit different, a little bit unique in a, in certain ways. How does this one, uh, stand, uh, stand out and then also complement this, the others in the series? Well, I totally agree. And I love the series. It was a complete honor to be able to participate in the series because the other volumes are so valuable. Um, the format of the series with giving basically a, a small portion of scripture and just a couple of page devotional, then something, something to think about and something to do at the end of each day, I think is a beautiful thing. And like, for example, you mentioned the pornography, uh, volume that Deepak Raju put out. That's fantastic. Uh, so if I'm working with somebody, I might use Heath Lambert's book, Finally Free, to, to help them in their initial battle against pornography. But then I'm going to hand them Deepak's book and basically say, you're going to follow up now every day looking at what God's word says just to continually uh, reestablish some new godly habits and godly virtues in your life. Well, the hope book is like that. I think for people that are going through a specific thing, like I said, hope is what motivates us. Hope is what maintains us. So maybe you're, you're fighting with anger and you, you pick up Bob Jones's, um, 31 day devotional about anger. Well, maybe the hope book is one to follow up after that, or, or even to read along at the same side, uh, same time, because these devotionals are so brief, you can really read through a day in just a few minutes. Well, I, I love it as well for a person that's in despair. And maybe that's, that's who I was targeting initially when I was thinking about some of these devotions. They often don't want to read a big book. They often don't have the energy to say, okay, I'm going to, you know, read five chapters of the Bible and, and, and this and that. Well, this is so small that it can maybe awaken that, uh, that ray of, of sunshine in their dark, in their dark day and, uh, something to think about something to do. Maybe what they're doing is just writing out the verse that we looked at and meditating on it through the day. And maybe they can come back tomorrow and, and have another ray of sunshine. And the great thing about a book like this is 
it's not dated. It's not, you know, just the 31 days of November. Hopefully you can get some hope in November. No, you can just start it over again. And uh, it's something that, that can be a great encouragement, I think, by God's grace and just reminding us of, of things we know that help us to be rooted in God, be rooted in God's character. Yes, God is good. Yes, God has good in our future. Yes, God is at work. Yes, this situation seems bad from an earthly perspective, but nothing is impossible with God. Mm. That's really encouraging. And I think, like you said, having those people in mind, the those who are particularly struggling with hopelessness or despair um, will definitely benefit. But also, I think we were talking about this before, hope is one of those things that we just need constantly. And in, in I know in my counseling training that I do with other students, um, it's one of the key elements is giving people hope. So I think that really counselors could take this devotional and any other material that they use, whether it's a 31 day devotional or, or like you mentioned, some other bigger books and have people walk through it, uh, during their counseling in, in addition to the other homework they're doing. Or I love what you said about sending somebody away with it to think about, um, just continuing the counsel and continually keeping them in God's word, focused on hope, or for those who are maybe waitlisted, it might even feel even more discouraging and despairing to be not in counseling yet. And this could be a great thing to give them to just begin to help them put their trust, their hope, what they're looking for in the right, in the right place. So. Yeah, absolutely. As some people have counseling ministries that are there's, there's too many people uh, and, and you really do have to have a waiting list. Um, what a blessing to say, we're not just leaving you stranded, you know, because the hope is going to help. It's going to help every person, everybody, everybody benefits from uh, sort of reestablishing the foundation of God word thinking yeah, no, absolutely. And I think I talked to one pastor and it was uh, one, a pastor who has a, their church has a pretty large counseling ministry. So they're always, they always have a wait list and they have the capacity to kind of triage those people on the wait list and we'll ask them what they're coming for counseling. Uh, and then they, they will actually, he was the one who told me, you should take the 31 day devotional targeted to that issue and give it to them. But not every, not every church has that capacity. Not everybody's able to triage all those requests for counseling like that. But almost every church that has a ministry has a wait list. <laughs> and uh, this devotional would be a great one to, to be able to put in their hands. Oh, there's, we're almost out of time. There's so much more we could talk about. One thing, uh, Maybe two things. One, I love the section on Christ and resting our hope in him. What are a couple or maybe just one of the aspects of Jesus that you point people to as the ultimate source of hope, their anchor for their hope? Um, share, share with our audience one of those. Well, if you think of Christ and you think of his great power, the healings, you know, he's got all power to do all things that he wants to. I think the thing that 
inspires hope in a, in a precious way is that Jesus knows you and knows your situation. He knows what you're going through and not just in a generic way, a, a glob. I know what all of my glob of people are doing. He knows about you and he cares about your situation. He has allowed it with the father and the Holy spirit. He has is working in it and through it. He has experienced temptations like that. And how amazing it is that the God of the universe knows me and cares for me and loves me. And of course, throughout his earthly ministry, we see that personal touch. I mean, even the story we alluded to before the woman with the issue of bleeding for 12 years. I mean, Jesus was on his way to heal Jairus's daughter, right? She's about to die. This woman touches him. He feels the power go out of him. She's healed on the spot. There's mobs of people. And he says, who touched me? And of course the disciples are like, what are you talking about? Jesus. Um, she realizes she can't, escape his gaze. She stops and admits that it was her. He personally addresses her. He tells her and affirms that her faith has made her well and that she's one of his daughters. And how great is that? This is a woman who's been an outcast. This is a woman who is financially destitute because the Bible says she spent all that she had on her medical condition and it had only grown worse. Jesus cares for her as an individual. He healed her. He loves her. He knows her by name. He knows what her situation has been, and he knows what he accomplished on her behalf. And I think we can, we can take those exact same assurances with us as we are experiencing life's problems that that same Jesus he knows us. I mean, he's alive. He's risen from the dead. He's just as alive as we are. He's just in a different place than we are right now. And uh, it's precious to think that he cares for us in our daily struggles. Amen. Well, I think that's a wonderful place to end, just thinking about Jesus and his love for us uh, and his knowledge of us in particular. The little teaser out there for our audience, one of my favorite, I love, there's a really great metaphor in the conclusion of God and his love for us and his ever-present, um, just his ever-present being that we can rest our hope in. So a little teaser there, go get it and be sure to check out the conclusion. So John Kratz, thanks so much for being with us on 1514 today. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you so much, Curtis. Thank you for listening to today's episode of 1514. If you'd like to find out more about the Biblical Counseling Coalition, you can visit our website at biblicalcc.org. Special thanks to our podcast engineer, James Wills, who does all the post-production editing to make this podcast sound so wonderful. Also want to thank my assistant, Carrie Felton, for helping to arrange these interviews. And a special thanks to Andrew Riddell, who composed and recorded the music we use on 1514. I hope you have a wonderful day.